Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 48 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, chronic pain specialist. And as always, this podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. All right, today I have such an amazing guest. I am sure so many of you out there have dealt with or are currently dealing with burnout. And today I have a burnout specialist, Dr. Rosina Lacani. She is an executive coach, a corporate speaker, an integrative psychiatrist, and has over 25 years of experience. Dr. Rosina has helped hundreds of leaders and high achievers stop burnout without quitting their careers. Drawing from her personal experience of overcoming leadership burnout, Dr. Rosina aims to share practical mind training tools to detect, prevent, and manage burnout using natural methods. In addition, on today's podcast, Dr. Rosina also shares how she had exper- has experienced chronic pain as well and does bring that into her story. She also has a best-selling book, Stress to Joy, which has helped so many people achieve balance in life and restore their peace of mind through simple and proven strategies that they can do within minutes. She's also the founder of Shifa Health and podcast host of the show, Happy and Healthy Mind, which aims to bring tools for stress management, burnout reduction, and treatment of chronic stress, anxiety, and depression. So without further ado, here is my interview with her. It is such a pleasure to be with you here, Dr. Rosina. Thank you for joining me. Why don't you start out by telling people just a little bit about yourself, about your background and how you got to where you are today? Well, thank you. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Um, The best title actually I got was from a four-year-old who called me um, boss of all smiles. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God, that's adorable. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah, the story goes that um, <clears throat> I um, I published a, a stress to joy guided gratitude journal, and um, uh, one of my uh, client was um, uh, was working on it on a regular basis, and she had this four year old uh, kid. Um, actually, she works uh, with me, uh, this lady, and so. Um, this four-year-old uh, came and asked, "Mom, what are you doing?" And she uh, she said, uh, "How do you explain to a kid what is gratitude? Concept of gratitude?" So she said, "I am um, writing all the things that bring smile on my face." And so um, and so he looked at the back, and at the back it's my picture. And so uh, he said, "Who is this?" And she said, "She's my boss." And so he said. Oh, so she's the boss of all smiles. Oh my gosh. I love it. Oh, that, oh yeah, what a that's precious a, title. That's amazing. Yeah, I love so it. that's the best title I've received. But so professionally, I am an uh, MD psychiatrist um, and um, I am an um, speaker and an author and, um, and a coach consultant. Um, I like uh, my I have, of course, a lot of specialization and in, in my medical side of work, I specialize in treatment of treatment-resistant depression. Mm. Uh, in my coaching side, I specialize in helping high-achieving women stop burnout so they could achieve more uh, without burning their my body out, yes. losing their career and ability to serve and make the impact they are born to. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I think we just share that in common, which is why part of why I wanted to have you here is because 
that is my clients as well. Just these high achieving women, these women who are capable of so much, they're powerhouses, they're passionate, they're burning out. And so I think what you do is just so important and so needed. So I want to first know, before we get into that, how you went from being a psychiatrist, which you still are, you're still a practicing psychiatrist, but to being a coach, because I think that is a big transition that you don't, I think, I feel like it's becoming more common, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not typically common. So tell me a little bit more about about what brought you, what, what brought on that switch. Yeah. Because like, you know, high achieving women are at risk of burnout, especially people in healthcare industry are really mm-hmm. high risk of burnout. And that's why probably just getting more and more common because when people go through the experiences of their own, they realize the importance and then they want to help others. And so similar thing happened with me. So yeah, I was a traditional psychiatrist, you know, um, type A personality, go, 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 career focus. Um, and so I was I was getting stressed um, uh, and kind of reaching at the brink of burnout. And um, but, you know, uh, being a psychiatrist, I should have known better. But I did not give attention to the initial signs that were coming as I was getting a little more impatient, mm-hmm. and a little a little more absent minded and um, feeling like overwhelmed and over exhausted. I was still not giving myself attention. Because I was just saying, oh, I'll take care of myself later. Once this happens, then I'll take care of myself. Once this happens, mm-hmm. and, and so it happened, like, you know, with all the business changes I was going through, um, we had moved, we had new staff, new procedures and everything. My stress level was so high that I ended up zoning out while driving and getting to a car accident. Oh, oh. Yeah. And and we have that in common of, I I didn't, I think the cause was a little different, but we both had a car accident that it seemed like significantly shifted our lives. And sometimes it takes a wake up call like that. So tell me a little bit what happened after the car accident and how did things then shift from there? Yeah. So um, I actually broke my dominant hand uh, Mm. in the accident and um, it after you you lose uh, functioning of a part of the body, yeah. you don't realize how much you depended on it. And, you know, I didn't realize how much I depended on my um, right hand, which is my dominant hand. Um, and uh, the, the stress level even further worse, the chronic pain, like it was mm-hmm. building up and um, I was feeling depressed and I was feeling like, you know, afraid that I'm not going to be able to work and so like emotionally I was really really worked up and it reached to the point where I was feeling so helpless that one day um, I was helped in shower by some relatives we were visiting and um, uh, the shower was upstairs and I was downstairs no a shower was upstairs and my family was downstairs and they were supposed to someone was supposed to come and help me Mm-hmm. Um, change because I couldn't change uh, with this uh, broken hand and so um, I got done and um, I called them but they were downstairs so they could not hear me but I couldn't change so I couldn't come out mm-hmm. so I was stuck in the shower and I reached that peak of helplessness and I went back in the shower and I turned the shower on and then I started banging the wall of shower you know when you feel yes yes and then so I was just banging the wall of shower 
and feeling like that really helpless, height of helplessness mm -hmm. when I had the epiphany. Um, I realized I'm banging the wall of shower with my left hand. What if I would have lost my left hand too? Yeah. What if I would have lost my eyes mm -hmm. or my mind or my life? And I had a five-year-old kid at that time mm -hmm. and he was in car with me for the whole week before that day. He was sick, so I was taking him around everywhere. And that day was the first day when he returned back to his daycare. Oh. What if he was in the car? And so that shift, that mental shift, that uh, mindset shift that happened started helping me going from that helpless victim feeling to empowered feeling, grateful feeling that, no, I do have things to be grateful for. Um, but, you know, again, when the pain is there, it's really hard to stay in that positive state. Yes. And so a few days later, I was trying to sleep and I'm a right-sided sleeper. And after mm -hmm. surgery, they had put all these nails around my hand mm. and I could not sleep. So I was sitting in my bed and my friend had given me a journal, a diary. Um, and so that was sitting on my bedside. So that was the first day when I pulled that diary with my left hand and started writing with my left hand. Mm. And I wrote, uh, I'm grateful for my left hand. Of course, it was a crooked handwriting and I was just writing very small, <laughs> small words. But um, the gist of it was, I was grateful for my hand, left hand, for my eyes, because I could see the uh, outside the window in front of me, um, uh, for my husband who was sleeping next to me, for the pillow where I can rest my hand and ability to endure that pain. Oh, that's so powerful. And I just really want to highlight, I mean, just one, just so much space and just love for what you had to go through. But I really appreciate that in telling this story, how you talked about, it's like there was the car accident and then things kind of got worse. It was yeah. like, then there was more depression and pain, right? And then it was this place of like complete helplessness. And, and I want to highlight that because I think when we're hearing people's stories, it's so common that there's this like, oh, and then I was in this car and there's this epiphany moment where my life shifted and everything changed. And then all of a sudden I was completely grateful and everything was amazing, right? And I'm, I'm sure that that might happen like that for some people. That's not, if that's, of course, if that's their experience, nothing's wrong with that. But I think what you, you described is far more common in that things often feel like absolute crap and worse and that they pile on and pile on. And it's like, can I take any more? And it's, it's almost that going through that and having those experiences is what allows us to then get to that point of gratitude. And I think, I don't think everybody has to have such horrible experience, right? Like, I don't think everybody needs to go through the most dramatic thing, but I think we all want to skip to the step where we get to just feel the joy. <laughs> and of yeah. course we do. Of course we do. I do too. I, we're all humans. Like, let's skip the hard stuff. But I just... Anytime anyone shares like those parts, I always like to highlight it for my listeners because especially since everyone listening is in chronic pain, it's sometimes really hard to hear about gratitude, about seeing the positive. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's like this, that's part of the journey is, mm -hmm. is getting there. Like that is part of the journey 
And I think we all think, oh, I need to just automatically start seeing positive to heal my pain, to mm-hmm. heal the pain, right? And it's like, no, 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 it's it's the journey to be able to finally see the positive that is so healing. So yes, thank you for highlighting that <laughs> without mm-hmm. any prompting, because I definitely didn't yeah, prompt that at all. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I, um, as a psychiatrist, I also treat injured workers. Mm -hmm. And so I see a lot of chronic pain. Yeah. And then I try to help them um, come to the uh, point of gratitude. And many times they're not able to initially Mm -mm. because there's so much pain. They say, my life is crap. I can't think about anything that is going right in my life. It's really, really hard. And then it's kind of baby steps. So then I kind yes. of take them through. Okay, so you were able to come to my office. How yeah. did you come? And yeah. so then they start kind of start, oh, yes, I am in pain, but I'm still able to walk and I'm still able to talk and I'm still mm-hmm. able to breathe. And so like, you know, just just mm-hmm. focusing on simple things in life and then gradually build that gratitude and positivity, which then helps them cope with their chronic pain. Yes. And I love that. And I even love the way that you said that too, of like, it's building the gratitude alongside the pain. Like I'm in pain and I was still able to drive here. I'm in pain and I can still see the beautiful trees outside, right? It's not um, pretending that the pain does, it doesn't exist. Right. It's making the space for that both can actually exist simultaneously. Right. So that's, that's right. beautiful. Yeah, so- your question was, how did I end up becoming mm-hmm. um, the coach and uh, speaker on this topic was because that experience in my life, um, of course, like, you know, there was like several years of going through applying the tools that I teach my patients in my yes. life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it just brought so much at home. And then I, um, I realized that the people I help in the office have suffered for many years. Like I specialize in treatment of treatment resistant depression. Mm -hmm. So these people have already gone through their difficulties that like stress has turned into burnout. Burnout has turned into depression. Depression has turned into like severe depression that is Mm -hmm. not responding. So by the time they reach my office, they have suffered for many years. And my heart ached to see them. And then when I went through my experience, I realized that there are a lot of people in my category. They're not yet uh, clinically depressed, but they are suffering because of whatever circumstances they are going through. And I call them in the yellow zone. You know, mm-hmm. stressors are like traffic lights on road of life. Sometimes the, they are red, so you have to stop. Okay? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're green and, you know, the life is flowing smoothly. But sometimes it's yellow. You just need to slow down, either like um, uh, take the break or push the accelerator and get through, right? So mm. that's the yellow zone. And so people like me and you, we are in the yellow zone, a high, high achieving people focus on achieving more, doing more and more and very high risk of burnout. And so when I had to apply these tools in my life and as I started getting better, then I had the calling to help people um, like me so that they don't have to suffer unnecessarily for years and, um, lose their ability to, like like I said, lose their ability to serve and earn and make the impact they're meant to make. Mm, I love that. And I love that you just touched on that. It's like that you're, you're not losing the impact that you're meant to make. Because I think it's so common that 
especially high achieving women, they hear about, you know, stress reduction and not burning out. And it, it, I think many people interpret that as I need to completely stop what I'm doing or like, I can't work or like working is bad or, you know what I mean? It gets taken in this total extreme because I work, you know, I'm sure you work with a lot of perfectionists, right? Very black and white thinking of either I'm doing it all or I do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so can you speak to that a little bit of like, do you think if someone is on the brink of burnout and they have a career and well, let's assume that they like what they're doing, right? Because obviously there's cases where they don't, that you need to just go out and quit your job. Is that how you solve burnout or what? What, what well, needs to happen? Tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> actually, there was like, you know, um, uh, one of the podcasts that I was listening and this lady is telling the story about, okay, so she was feeling burnout. Um, and so she left that job and went into another. And she thought that once she changes her career, then burnout would go away. Guess what? Mm-hmm. It's still there. because it's not just the outside stressors that cause the problem. It is how you respond to it. That is the bigger, bigger contribution. So if you don't change the way you see things, the way you perceive things, the way you respond to the challenges of life, the same situation is going to repeat anywhere, wherever you go. Yes, the if the stressors are lower from outside, it may take longer for you to start to work yes. out. <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a tendency that you would have if you are um, in this uh, category of like you know you want to do you want to be best in life. You you don't want to be just kind of flowing, you know, just doing whatever comes your way. You want to really achieve more, you want to earn more, you want to contribute more, you don't want anything left at the end of life that you would regret. Mm -hmm. You want to be the best you could be. And that tendency puts you at higher risk unless, unless you take these precautions. So yes, you can um, still achieve without burning out and without quitting what you love. Oh, so good. I love the unless there, right? That's like so crucial. Cause I think again, it's like people like hear this and they're like, but why would I want to, you know, do crappy work? Why would I want to show up half-assed? And it's like, you don't have to, it's taking these precautions, making, I'm sure boundaries. And we can talk about what all these precautions are, but I just want to say how this mirrors, mirrors pain too, right? Like, let's say somebody's struggling with chronic pain and they happen to love, I don't know, you know, biking and their back is bothering them. So it's like, oh, well, I'll just stop biking. But really the the chronic pain isn't from biking. It is from emotional or stress related issues. Yeah, sure. Your back pain might go away. Chances are, it's going to pop either. It's just going to come back with as something else, or now you have knee pain or now you have neck pain, or now it just pops up somewhere else because it's the body trying to tell you something. The body's trying to send a message and it's determined to get that message across. So it's like, unless you're really willing to listen to it and then look inwards, it's going to keep showing up in the same way. And I think burnout is, is often a very, very similar mechanism. Right. And yeah. again, like, you know, a lot of people, not just burnout because of you know the work stress, but it's also these inner other factors, their personal factors. Pain, chronic pain itself is a big stressor. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and the chronic pain pathways in the brain are very much linked to the depression pathways. Yes. So when people are 
feeling um, depression because of the stress, their pain perception increases. Mm -hmm. And when people are in pain, their stress um, level increases and their chances of burning out increases. So they're all, all interconnected. Yes. You know, human body is one body. And like I say, your mind is the software that runs the hardware of your brain and your body. So good. So good. I love that. And I think it's really common, right? Where you see people come in, they're like, well, I have chronic pain and I have depression and I have anxiety and I have IBS and I have this and this and this. And often it's all, like you just said, it's all linked to the same underlying issue. And so can you speak to that? Like when someone is in that cycle of depression and chronic pain, especially because I think that is such a common one and we know there's so much link there of how do they begin? In, in your, you know, when you're working with someone, how do you begin to help them out of that cycle? Because it is a cycle that just feeds itself. So how do you break that? Yeah, so the first step is uh, to acknowledge and so many times it's like, you know, until until you realize that that is, uh, that is happening. And many times it is difficult. Like you said, it's difficult to say, okay, there's a psychological cause for this pain because, you know, that is a definite injury. Like most of the patients that I see, they come because they got injured. They're like, you know, there's a definite part of the body. Either it is uh, broken and trying to repair and it's not repaired or some, you know, some part of the body is lost or they're moved, like, you know, so there's a, mm -hmm. there's a physical reason for the pain to start. And, um, and when we are saying, okay, well, I think your depression is contributing to your pain. They don't want to listen because of course um, there is a physical reason right in front of them. Um, so first, uh, uh, and, and you want to treat the physical symptoms. That's the thing. Like it's not that if you're working on the psychological side of it, that you should not treat the physical side of it. It's, it goes hand in hand. Um, so you, you continue the treatment to improve your uh, whatever injury you have had that is causing the pain or that started the pain. Um, and at the same time, you start working on befriending the pain. Mm, yes. Mm, I love that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I keep going. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, I know like, you know, you, you also talk about how you can, like you just said, you can be in pain and you can still do this and you can be in pain and you can still do this. So um, pain is a big regressor. So many times when the pain happens, um, people's ability to cope goes down. Mm -hmm. And so, and then if the pain continues, it kind of becomes chronic, then their ability to cope is really low. So simple things become much bigger. Simple stressors become much bigger. Uh, things not going as expected make you more irritable. Um, your sleep is getting disturbed. And so like your um, mental harmony that requires good sleep and good nutrition and good exercise, everything gets affected. And I just, I didn't say nutrition, but when people are in pain, they don't feel like eating too. And so everything gets affected. And when all these areas affect, get affected, your body's ability to heal and come out of it, whatever difficulty you are in, gets lowered. 
So there are things that are in your control and then there are things that are not in your control. And so my, um, you know, I'm an author of the book called Stress to Joy, and I use a a three-step formula in it um, that applies to um, different different situations. But the basic of the formula is what I call mind CPR. Mm. Um, So like, you know, when somebody is having physical difficulty, you have to, uh, or, or somebody is crashing because of their heart um, not working, you give them physical CPR, so cardiopulmonary resuscitation. When somebody's mind is not working, they give <laughs> the mental CPR. Mm. Excuse me. And so that stands for C, stands for calm, so calm down, because mm. you know, when you're edgy and reactive mm. and mind cannot think, so you need to calm down. And then you have to process what is coming from outside that is not in your control. And what are you doing to contribute to uh, Mm. how you're feeling? And that is in your control. And the third uh, step R is to respond with intention. So once you you decide that, okay, well, um, because I am... uh, I'm getting really agitated and that is just increasing my pain or just increasing my difficulties. I um, I choose to you know take a walk or I choose to listen to relaxing music or I choose to do um, some writing or talking, whatever is mm-hmm. your way of responding that would give you the results you want rather than the results you don't want. So you intentionally choose that. And of course, there are many more steps that goes into it. But just to be basic, like, you know, we go when I do the my group coaching, I kind of go into more detail and my book and um, course talks about that. But that is the gist of it in terms of when you are having this stress reactivity that is causing all these problems in your life, you want to calm down, see process what is coming from outside and what are you doing to contribute to it and then responding by changing your reaction Mm -hmm. yes so good I love it that you just mentioned like that there is like those are the basic steps and that there can be so much there can be so many layers to being able to do each one of those steps and I'm sure that your book goes into way more detail and you go into way more detail with um your clients, because I think that's some of the hardest part, especially the part where you said the noticing what you're doing to contribute. And I'm curious, just, I'm just curious what you think here of why do you think it is that people are so resistant, myself included, (laughs) to realizing where our role is in what we're experiencing, especially when there's been like this outer experience, right? Why do you think that is for people? And, you know, from my story, you also realize Mm -hmm. I also, you know, was at that point where like helpless victim, I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, this is this because because human beings like to be in control. We are control free and especially (laughs) and especially people who are like, you know, high achievers, they they have reached that level of success because they pushed themselves so hard. They tried to do um, whatever was in their control. And so 
when you are in that phase, you want things to happen according to your desire. If the, the, the parcel should be delivered on this day, why didn't it get delivered? Or this, um, this machine should have worked this way, why didn't it work? Or this uh, employee should have submitted this report, why they didn't do it? So that you are in that phase of getting everything done on time according to your desire and um, everything in a controlled environment. Suddenly, you face a situation where you cannot even control yourself. Yeah. And that really feels uncomfortable. And that is where we kind of just uh, fall into this victim mentality that, you know, I can't do, I can't even walk. What can I, what can you expect me to do? Like I am in pain. I can't even, you know, tolerate this thing. What can you expect me to do? And so when people kind of get into that phase of you and me, I am suffering. You need to fix me. You're not fixing me. And you're expecting me to exercise or do this or do that. So that initial reaction is very common and normal. Mm. Once people realize that that reaction is not serving them mm. and actually causing them the problem, and they want to kind of take steps to do something, what they can do for themselves, that's when shift starts happening. Oh, so good. And I just love that you brought in and normalize this victim mentality piece because it is, I think you experienced it. I know I experienced it in my story. And I think often the victim, you know, that like persona gets a lot of crap, right? Like it gets really hated on and like, oh, that's so bad. And it's like, let's all accept that we're all there at times. And like you said, it's normal. And then there's a day where we realize this isn't serving us. I mean, you said it so beautifully. So just thank you for that. And just acknowledging that piece because we all fall into that. And it's just noticing it and being like, oh, look, is this, is this supportive right now? And yeah, what, what can I do to help shift from this, take the next step? And And, yeah. And sometimes we always focus on the big things, right? So I cannot bike since I'm having the back pain, right? Um, so what, what, can you take like one small step? One small step would be like, you know, just focusing on, let's say, just going on the on, on the front door and, and or, mm-hmm. or the backyard and enjoying the nice weather or looking at the birds or something like that. And so starting small achievement because these small, small achievement then may make bigger and bigger achievement. So even though you may not be able to go from A to Z, just going from A to B would help you to go from B to C and C to D and whatever is within you know, your best capacity, but you'll train your body gradually to come out rather than um, uh, feeling, oh, I cannot do Z, so might as well not do anything. Yes. And I think that is so common amongst high achieving perfectionists, right? Is if I can't do Z, screw it all. Yes. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, and then we, well, that, that, that'll feel like victim mode or just woe is me. And again, not, I'm, not, I'm saying that out of complete love and I've been there and I relate as well, right? It's not a, it's totally normal. And 
you know, get depressed about it. And then we stay stuck in the cycle of that. And finally we muster up the energy to try Z again. And then of course we fail at Z and then repeat cycle over and over and over. Whereas if we can just see that, I love that. Yes. Just do B, which will then lead to C it's, it feels so slow, but I think it's actually astonishing how fast results can be when you can love on and celebrate the little steps and like yeah there's a there's a technique i i share in my book i call it um ofi <laughs> opportunities for improvement mm. and so um i use example like you know when when um i try to have my 10000 steps walking target right so uh every time i don't uh, i was not doing it i was feeling like really crap okay i didn't meet my goal again today and i'm not meeting my goal again today and so every time i would look at those like you know 3000 5000 steps like oh my god you know i i'm not i'm not doing what i teach other people and i'm not taking care of my health and and i would get into this guilt tripping and i would even mm-hmm. feel bad about achieving those 5000 steps and so then when i kind of realized that that's what i'm doing and it's kind of creating more negative effect, I shifted. And so in when I look at, okay, so that is 3,000 steps, let's say, mm-hmm. one day I achieve 3,000 steps. So first step would be to say, good job that I did 30% of my goal. Oh, that's yes. still 30% of my goal, right? Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And and so then, then the second step is, okay, so what, what were my obstacles that prevented me from achieving the rest of my goal? And what can I do to improve my, um, you know, my achievement for tomorrow? So just kind of shifting that thought from um, putting myself down. Every time I look at the number, putting myself down, feeling guilty. You, you bad girl, you don't do this, you don't do that. Um, shifting that thinking to good job, you achieve 30%, you achieve 40%, you achieve 50%, telling yourself that you achieve something mm-hmm. allows your the inner inner self, like, you know, your, your mind to say, oh, you can do it. So mm-hmm. now you can take the next step, try to do the 60%, now, now yes. do the 70%. So you can start achieving a little better, a little better, a little better every step if you start appreciating what you are able to do. Yes. So um, that is a technique that I um, I use um, and I use it for myself and I use it for a lot of my clients and my patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it is it is very hard because our society is focused on, you know, either this is success or failure. Like there's no something yes. in between, but there's a lot of gray in between. Totally. And I love that you said it's like this two-step process, right? Of first celebrating And then I think because you've celebrated and taken that time to acknowledge what you've done, that's what allows you to ask that next really important question of, oh, like, let's just get curious about what obstacles were there. But I think if we skip that celebration place, it's really hard to ask that next question. That's what we jumped to. Well, what what, what went wrong, right? Then it's from this place of judging and shame when really it can be from this place of like playfulness and curiosity. I'm just like, oh, what what did happen today? You know, what, what, what was that all about? And sometimes you're like, oh, it's because I had, for me, I had a sick child at home today and I'm trying to work and take care of my child at the same time. Of course, I didn't get my steps in. Literally true story today. And oh, of course that didn't happen. Or like, oh, wow, I just totally forgot to get up and walk because I got really involved in my work. 
oh, I got a great podcast episode out of it, but oh yeah, I didn't get my steps. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right. And it's just from this playfulness versus I think often when we ask that question, the tendency again of high achievers and perfectionists is to use that question to then just beat themselves up more. So right. I love the the celebration first, because I think that puts us in the mindset to ask that next question from this place of curiosity. Yeah. Beautiful. So why don't you tell people a little bit more? I feel like I could talk to you forever, but why don't you tell people about where they can find you and any, any just last tips that or anything that you want everyone to know um, if they're struggling with this and struggling of feeling like they're on the brink of burnout? So um, my message to, uh, to you today is every day is a new day. Mm. Every day is a new opportunity to make different decisions. Each decision can bring you one step closer to the best version of yourself. And if you start taking these steps, you can um, decrease this feeling of burnout. And as I said, achieve more, um, serve more, earn more, and make the impact you are meant to make. Um, and I'd, I'd love to uh, uh, connect with you if you'd like. Uh, you can reach me um, on my website, drrosina.com. That's where you can download uh, my um, free, free gifts. I have a, a gift on um, Stop Burnout Without Quitting. Mm. Yeah, love download it. And um, uh, learn about all the services and my podcast and books and courses. And so uh, I hope something or the other would help you to make your life um, a little better uh, and your burden a little lesser. And that would help me achieve my purpose in life. Mm, beautiful. Thank you so much. And yeah, everyone also, Dr. Rosina, like she said, she has a podcast and her podcast has a lot of really short little snippet episodes that are just wonderful. And then some really nice, beautiful, um, longer ones as well. But I think that's really cool because it makes it very, you know, little, little nugget size bites. So I love that. Yeah. And so yeah, definitely my podcast, happy and healthy mind with Dr. Rosina, and you can find it on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Apple, Spotify, uh, most of the places where you can find, um, and yeah, uh, and any, and I bring uh, guests like you, Doctor Moore, <laughs> um, on the on the podcast to share their wisdom, and we try to focus on providing simple tips um, for mental fitness so you can live your best life with hope, health, and happiness. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Every time I talk to someone like yourself, who's just in this kind of same world of just trying to make the world a better place and help everyone just be their most truest selves and be the best version of themselves. It just makes me so happy because I just know this, this ripple effect, you know, is eventually going to catch up to the world and it's amazing. So thank you so much for being here. And it was such a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Yeah.